Thank you, Pastor Bob and praise team. I, I, hope, uh, I hope you were praising God this morning, that your praise will ever be on my lips. <laughs> I tell you what, what a, what a wonderful phrase to, to consider, and I think it's true. Do you think that's true? That uh, for eternity, eternity, God's praise will be on our lips. And uh, I tell you what, I'm, I'm thankful for a God who loves me and has saved me. What about you? <laughs> I'm thankful to be in God's presence here this morning, and it's, it's good to, to be with you folks. Uh, I was at a Catalyst conference several years ago, and I think it was 2013, 2013, and I think I've shared this quote. Henry Cloud, the writer of the book's Boundaries, was speaking, and, and Henry Cloud said this, the worst thing to die with is potential. <laughs> Uh, the, the worst thing to die still having a lot of is potential. And, you know, we, we see this all the time with sports stars. You know, sports stars have potential and they never, they never live up to their potential. And, and I want to live to my full potential. At, at, at the end of my life, I want people to say, man, he didn't have much talent, but he made the most out of the talent he had, right? Uh, I, I don't want to die with potential still in my bones, uh, yesterday, we went down for mom and dad's uh, 65th anniversary. My dad's 89, turned 89 on Thursday, on May the 4th to be with you day. And, uh, you know, he's not a huge Star Wars fan, I don't think. Uh, but he turned 89, and mom and dad had their 65th anniversary. And, and I looked at my family and, you know, and, and looked at what these simple, humble people have done. I mean, mom and dad weren't, you know, they... they I think dad probably got his GED when he was in the Navy and, and, and he became a barber and he was a barber in the day when they pay, you paid two fifty dollars for a haircut and that was expensive. That's right, two fifty. dollars And, uh, you know, I, I look at him and mom raising five kids and uh, I, we all apparently got enough to eat, right? You know, we don't look like we're starving and, and they got us all through college and, and all of us have led in some capacity in our life. And, and then I look at their grandkids and, 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 and I think these humble people, uh, you know, they weren't perfect. Uh, they, they weren't great by the world standards. No, nobody probably would notice Bob and Wanda, but I think they made the most of their potential. Uh, that they were everything that God wanted them to be for us. And, and, and I want to live up to my potential. I, 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 and we all want to unleash that. We, we want to unleash our potential. We, we do it in our schooling, in our, in our athletics, and in our careers. And I believe, I hope, and say, man, if this is true, I want to unleash my potential with regards to my relationship with God. Amen. Right? Folks, we don't want to just go through the motions and spend all our time. We're not in here just playing games. We really want to be all that God wants us to be. At least I do. At the core of my being, at the end of my life, I want to be the Christian. I want to be the follower of Jesus that God intends me to be. And I don't want to be less. What if the missing element in your life and my life was prayer with others? Okay, let, let's stop and think about it. What, what if, and, and, and all of us, including this pastor, there's areas in my life, if there's an area in your life that spiritually you want to grow, say amen. amen. All of us. 
all of us in this room, if you are a sincere follower of Jesus Christ, see this God who is holy and righteous and perfect and good. Amen? Amen. And we see who we are, and at the very core of my being, you know, I'm not living in sin, I'm not willfully disobeying God, but, but at the very core of my being, I want to be more like Jesus Christ. And I think everybody who's a sincere follower of Jesus has that. I I think that's almost the characteristic of a sincere, real, real, authentic follower of Jesus is this humble desire to be more like Jesus. What if the missing element in your life was prayer with others? Now, now some of you who've been around the church longer, some of you who've who've served God longer, some of you who are more mature in your faith, and I'm talking to you old folks, okay? Some of you who've been around longer, remember a day when we prayed more with each other. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Terry Moore. Some of you remember a day when prayer with others was more common. And and I think if we were honest, in the church, the reality of people praying with each other is less and less something that you see on a day-by-day basis. Even in our prayer time, I I can remember as a young man, and and, you know, our our remembrance sometimes um, messes with our present, right? (laughs) You know, it's our memories are all always fonder than the realities of the past, right? <laughs> we were sitting with, having coffee with uh, the guys Thursday morning, as Kenny and Earl and me, and uh, we, we, we do men's coffee on Thursday mornings, at least in, through May. Now in the summer, we're going to take the month off, the first Thursday of the month. And we were talking about first cars, and, and, and I was saying, my first car was a 1976 El Camino. Okay? And I started thinking about that, and I started thinking how old that makes me sound to these teenagers. To a 15-year-old, it's, when I was 15, that would have been the same as somebody saying, well, my first car was a 1948 Studebaker, right? And, and, and so I realized, you know, you get older, you know, and let me tell you what, in my memory, that was the greatest car ever. Probably that car stunk just a little bit like every other car I've had. But our memories of the past can sometimes be skewed. But, but I believe it's true to say that our prayer time was more communal in the past. And, and altar services, it was more likely that someone would pray with you and actually use words <laughs> instead of just the unseen presence with a arm on or hand on the shoulder. And I understand we're private people. Uh, it's it's kind of the nature. Even though it it seems like in our society we're more more open. (laughs) You know, Facebook, we know what everybody eats for for supper, right? But there's still this privacy in our world. And and I think it's intruded on our prayer life. And and I kind of have a feeling, I may be wrong, and after I get done with this sermon, you can say, oh, pastor, you're all wet. (laughs) I kind of have a feeling that our privacy and our personal, this is a personal relationship with God, 
and what other people think, and I, you know, I don't have to share, and I don't have to be vulnerable, and I, I don't have to be open. I, I believe it's harming people in their Christian walk. And I believe it's particularly harmful to a church that wants to be the church. What if the missing element in your life was prayer with others? See, see we believe this. Prayer unlocks God's possibilities in our life. When we look at a vibrant prayer life, we believe that prayer opens us up to what God wants to do in our life. Now, now don't mishear me there. Don't mishear me and say, oh, if I pray right, I get all the things that I want. <laughs> you know, a prayer life unlocks me to the new Mercedes Benz that belongs to me, to a bigger house, to more money. Maybe, maybe you'll get some of those blessings, but, but I believe it unlocks the potential God has for us, which is bigger and better than the potential we have for ourselves, Right? That somehow, that when we are in true prayer, we can find God's path. And can I tell you, God's path's always better than my path. Luke 137, and and this is in the beginning of the story of Jesus, and and it's it's when um, Mary's aunt is, is Elizabeth is going to have the baby and how and Mary finds out and and you know she's older and and how, how could she be pregnant and the angel says nothing will be impossible with God <laughs> you know Nike says impossible is nothing God's been saying a lot longer than Phil Knight and Nike okay Stan Toller just two weeks ago. Didn't you love Stan and Bob? We had a great revival and a great time with Stan Toller and the, and the Guardians. And, and, and Stan Toller said, he, he summed his theology to this, my God can do anything. <laughs> I like that. My God can do anything. Nothing will be impossible with God. My God can do anything. In Mark chapter 9, there's this great story. Jesus coming from the Mount of transfiguration and and the 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 disciples that that had remained are trying to cast out this demon and of this demon possessed boy and they're they're unable to do it and and, um, there's this big argument when Jesus comes down from the mountain as I thought about that I wonder how often is our arguments caused because we're just trying to do things on our own and not with God (laughs) Could, could that be uh, could, could it possibly be that sometimes the stress in your life is that you've just not said, okay, God, we need you to do this and we can't do this? So they come down and, and they're fighting and Jesus asks what's going on. The father comes and says, hey, this is my son's possessed by this devil and your disciples are trying to cast out the demon. They're not doing a very good job. And Jesus says something to the effect, everything can happen with faith. And, and the father says those great words, I believe Help my unbelief. As I thought about this sermon, there's a lot of you out there today, including this pastor, that, that those words resonate. They resonate with us. I believe, help my unbelief. That that resonates in our life, that this ideal that we have belief, but we need more belief. We have faith, but we need more faith. We trust you, God, but we want to trust you more. 
I believe that praying with others is something that moves us in a way that it helps our unbelief. <laughs> and Jesus talks to him. And he says, you know, anything can happen. And he cast out the demon. And, and the disciples are asked him later. And Jesus says something. In fact, well, some things can only happen through prayer. Only through prayer. Prayer unlocks God's possibilities in our life. And, and I think just very quickly, that, that just as we consider praying with others, and that's what we're talking about, praying with others is, is important in a lot of ways, but three things I want to just bring out, we learn to pray with others. We, we, <laughs> I, I learned to pray with my mom every night when she prayed with us kids. We learned to form, we learned words, we, we learned the authenticity, we learned humility, we, we learned to pray with others. And, and so when, when, we, when we never pray with our kids, when we never pray with each other, we, we don't give those people the opportunity to learn from us and learn to pray. Well, we have to move beyond our own strengths and needs to pray with others. It moves us out of ourself. And, and honestly, oftentimes we're so consumed. I'm so consumed. Amy, you talked about our wants and needs. We're so consumed with what we want and what we need and what we see that when we pray with others, God is able to, to realign our thinking and we're able to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. We're able to see things from a different perspective. And the third real quick thing is praying with others builds our faith. You say, well, pastor, how does praying with others build your faith? You ever pray with somebody that can really pray? <laughs> or, or have you ever prayed with somebody and watched those prayers be answered and, and begin to understand that our God answers prayer? Praying with others builds our faith. Now, in a very personal way, this is significant. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, I spent the day with my, my family yesterday, but, you know, mom and dad, th th this personal prayer was significant, and I am who I am. Uh, I, I guess I must, since I said I am who I am, I, I must be Popeye. Uh, uh, but my life has been framed and changed because of prayer. I understand that in my life, I have had people praying for me from the beginning. Your pastor, can I just be honest with you? Your pastor needs your prayer. I do. And I know that from my earliest beginning, Virgil talked about my older brother who who is a, is, is a pastor as well, uh, he, he talked about um, how mom and dad were so influential. You know, we always, you always do those family things where somebody shares something, to, you know, the little speech. And Virgil said this. He goes, I suppose before I knew my own name, I knew the name of Jesus. Amen. Prayer matters. It matters in our personal life. I've been talking to, to Jean and, 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 you know, April's in hospice and we're praying God will heal her. 
the, whether God heals her or not, God will receive the glory. And I appreciate Jean and Carol so much. And, and um, they're so private. They'd never stand up and tell you these kind of things. But April's been having, April and Terry's been having basically prayer worship services every night, haven't they, Jean? And they're gathered, and they're praying, and they're singing, and, and, and April sharing. And, and only our God can take death and the potential of death and turn it into something for our good and His glory. Amen. Prayer. The power of prayer. In our personal life, we need the power of prayer. And praying with others is essential. For some of you, praying with others is the answer to your finances being restored. It's not another, nothing wrong with Dave Ramsey seminar, but it's not another budgeting seminar. It's not another Dave Ramsey class. It's praying with others that is the answer to your finances because it's going to unlock what God's potential is for your finances. For some of you, sins will be forgiven in praying with other folks. You know, in, in our century, in, in, in our generation, we just ignore those scriptures that says, confess your sins one to another, right? Because, you know, my, my personal relationship with God is personal. And we'll get in later, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. But, but, but Wesley says the Bible knows nothing of a solitary religion. And so we ignore those scriptures that talks about confessing sins and praying with others. And we're not going to do open mic night for confession today. And everybody said, oh, thank you, Lord, Right? But there's a power and there's a true forgiveness that comes when those sins, and I don't, have to, I don't have to tell you what they are, you know. When those sins that you're dealing with, you find somebody that you trust and you confess them and you pray together. There is a true forgiveness and there is a power. And some of you are living in the shame because you're just not willing to be vulnerable with somebody else and say, you need to pray with me about this. For some of you, relationships will be reconciled. Children and parents, spouses, neighbors. I believe God can still reconcile relationships. For some of you, addictions will be overcome. We live in an addicted society. And all God's people said, Amen. we live in the most addicted age ever known. From pornography to drugs to alcohol to tobacco to, to food to shopping to, to the internet to whatever. People are addicted. And for some of you, the answer to your personal addiction is not just your willpower, but communal prayer with somebody else. Physical bodies will be healed. Do you believe God still heals? For those of you who are sick, 
called the elders to pray over you. <laughs> You'll find peace and chaos and direction and confusion. There is a, there is a personal element. There, there, there is a personal reason to pray with others. But also, can we move this beyond the personal? The church matters. So, pastor, you get paid to tell us the church matters. Can I ask you to think of it in this way? God is inviting me, inviting you, to be part of a people he is saving. When, when you look at the biblical account, when you look at the story of God, God always invites us to be a part of the people. Whether it was the family of Abraham, whether it was the nation of Israel, and now it is the church. God is saving the church. And the ultimate purpose is not the church, but the kingdom. But right now, he is inviting you to be part of a, a, a body of people, a people he is saving, and it is the church. And I believe not only in the general church, but the local church. This church. God is inviting you to be a part of this church and he's bringing salvation to us through and in the church. Now, now we talked about Wesley. The, the Bible knows nothing of a solitary religion, that, that somehow this all works out in community. And, and I got to tell you, it, it's this, this ideal has been shaping the way I've thought for the last five years. Because for a good part of my salvation history, my life history, I've thought, me and God, and that's all that matters. <laughs> we, we, that's a lot easier, right? <laughs> and yet, as I read the story of God, as I read this book, it's a communal book for a communal people. Finding salvation together. You know, we, we sang, never once did I ever walk alone. And I think that's true from the context that God walks with us, but he doesn't intend for you to walk alone even in this life, but he intends for brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ to walk with you. So, so the church is a body, not just one part, but a body. That the, the church is a building, and we are all built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, all kind of interlocked. The, the church is a family. All, all of these imageries that, that somehow the church is significant. It matters. And not just the general church. This church matters. The worst thing this church could die with is potential. Can we go back? You know, I, I, I just kind of believe that there's more for us in God than we're doing. And I understand sometimes, and you hired a pastor that's not my gifting and my perspective. I'm self-driven, and I try not to be a driver, but I am very self-driven. I'm very future-oriented. I'm very... I'm less shepherd and more prophet. I'm sorry. 
and that's how I think. And, and sometimes that's perceived. I, I know, I know. Sometimes that's perceived as pastor doesn't love us or, or, or pastor doesn't care or, or pastor doesn't like us or, or pastor thinks, folks, I love you. <laughs> You're like my kids. And, and it's like your kids. You, you ever see potential in your kids and you just want to drag it out of them? Nobody else like that but me. And so I lie awake at night. Oh, man, I want a normal job. <laughs> I lie awake at night. I get up in the morning and shower. I mow my yard. I drive down the road. It consumes me. And, and, and maybe you need to get some guys in white jackets to take me out. Maybe that's the problem. But, but I, this church is ever on my mind. So, oh, well, it's, um, you know, sometimes I think pastors are perceived as, oh, well, it's, it's um, political or, or uh, uh, you know, he's wanting to step up the ladder. He's, he's wanting to grow the church so he can go. Can I tell you, folks, I'll, I'll just be, I'll be bare this is the last church I'm ever going to pastor. It is. I, I'm not going to do this again. It's, it's too hard. This is the last church I'm going to pastor. And I'll be here as long as God has me here, but, but I don't intend to go anywhere else unless God absolutely moves me. I, 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 don't, have, <laughs> I don't have political aspirations, folks. I, I, if I wanted to be political, I would have, I would have stayed in the law. I would have. I don't have political aspirations. I just want to be what God wants me to be, and I want my church to be what God wants it to be. And I lie awake at night wondering whether we're living up to the potential that God has for us. And, and so all these things that we do, we're not doing them because, I'm not doing them because I'm angry or I'm upset. It's just I'm, I'm obsessed with us being what God wants us to be. Here's the rub. When the church becomes what God wants it to be, your families have the potential of becoming what God wants them to be. When your families become what God wants them to be, you become what God wants you to be. So, so it's self-serving for us all. If this church is everything God wants it to be, we all benefit. You benefit when your pastor's better. Amen? We all benefit. And, and I wish, I, I do, I, I do. I wish, I I don't know if I wish this or not. I wish I was more low-key. Maybe I'll start preaching from a stool and, and drinking a cup of coffee. But I'm not. That's who I am. And be assured that I love you. So, there's things that we, we offer. You know, we're doing the Uptown Friday nights, and we are partnering with Living Hope. Stand up, Emily, if you will, and Clint's in the back. Clint and Emily are our new 
going NMI presidents. Give them a hand. Aren't you excited? I'm excited uh, about them. Karen has done a great job, and, and, and now she's stepping down, and we appreciate all that Karen did. And, and uh, Art, yes, let's give her a hand. And, uh, uh, but Emily and Clint are taking this on, and, and one of the first things we're trying to do is be connected with our community at the, the as, who's been to Uptown Friday nights? Okay, there's more people, your neighbors are out Uptown Friday nights. And so we've got a family booth, a kid's booth with Living Hope Church. And, you know, we're, we're going to try to connect with people in our community and we need volunteers. And we've, we've put a save the date. We have all the dates for Uptown Friday nights. I think there's four this summer. All the dates are out there. We need you particularly May 19th. There's a, a sign-up genius on the, on the internet or on the, uh, the website, and, and, and you, can, um, you can sign up to, to draw on kids' faces. Now, we, we would rather you draw something that makes sense and not just magic mark or kids' fa faces, but, but we, we need you. And so that's one way. And then we're, we're doing this with the kids. Uh, Pastor Kim and Pastor Josh are doing these roundtables. And, and the, the dates of those, Josh, I just lost it. I'm sorry. Are, bear with me, May 10th, May 13th, and May 17th. There's three dates. And, and we, we want you to sign up to be part of this, that, that you can somehow help us so that we're ministering to you as a family together in a way that's effective. And all these things we do, not because, okay, they're not busy enough. Let's see if we can put more on their plate. But somehow at the core of our being, we believe that God's calling us to more. Church matters. And, and the worst thing for a church to die with is potentials. You know, lives are at stake. If you believe that, say amen. <laughs> lives are at stake eternal lives are at stake. Do, do we still believe in heaven and hell? Lives are at stake with how we use the potential that God has given us. What, what's the Bible say? To much, to whom much is given, much is expected. And folks, can I tell you, God has given us much. Prayer unlocks God's possibilities for our church. Do you believe that this morning? It's the story of Acts. And the, the story of Acts is prayer unlocking God's potential in the life of his church. You, you see in Acts 2, the church is gathered. And, you know, I, I don't think they're gathered playing Yahtzee. <laughs> I think they're gathered in prayer, right? And they're, they're waiting for about, I, I, if my math's correct, they're gathered for about seven days. And I believe it's a seven-day prayer meeting waiting for God to move. And God sends the Holy Spirit. We have Pentecost, and we have this great in-gathering. And, and then at the end of chapter 2, you have this scripture. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and, all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in the homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day... 
the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So, so we find the Acts chapter 2 church. And I'm not sure if I've ever preached out of this passage. At some point I want to preach out of that passage again. The Acts chapter 2 church was centered around praying with each other, being with each other. And we see this miraculous move of God in the life of the church. Acts 4.31, uh, Dr. Toller used this, this, this scripture, and it's, it's after the, Peter and John have been arrested, and they're threatened, and they, and, and they come together, and they pray, and it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. There, there, there's... You know what the theme of Acts is? The theme of Acts is God's Holy Spirit in response to God's people praying, seeking, being sent out. Okay? The the book of Acts is the story of God's Holy Spirit filling God's people so they can speak the word with boldness, so that they can fulfill the great commission to make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is the the story of the book of Acts. And this all flows from a vibrant prayer life. Acts chapter 12, you have another story, and, and, and Peter's in jail, and and you, you've probably read the story or heard the story at some point. And, and Peter's in jail and all of a sudden the jail cells fly open and he walks out and, and, he, and he goes to the place where the church is meeting and praying together. Knocks on the door. The girl doesn't open the door because it can't be Peter because he's in jail even though they're praying that Peter would get out of jail, right? <laughs> the church at prayer. And prayer together. Prayer unlocks God's possibilities for our church. And so the question is, in this age, in this age of disconnect, this is our largest gathering, right? You understand that Sunday morning in the 8.30 or the 10.50 service, and we do two services, and, you know, there, you know, maybe the answer is just to do one service. But the truth is, if we did one service, you don't have enough chairs in here for both services. It'd be very difficult and you have no room to grow. Even as we are now, there is not room for both services at the same time. If you want, you would be at 100% full and you couldn't bring more people in. We want to grow, right? You know, growth represents people coming to Jesus Christ. We, we don't want to grow from the Lutheran church to the Presbyterian church, but we want to have people who are lost find Jesus and begin to join us, right? And so what, what do we do in this disconnected age when, when this is our primary time? When, when In this time, we need to worship, right? We, we need to learn from God's word. This is a teaching time. This is discipleship. I believe discipleship occurs best when we talk about these things, but this is discipleship. Hopefully, as I am speaking, you're not just thinking about the color of my shirt. What color is it, by the way? It looks like a blue. And yeah, yeah, basically blue. Thank you, Bob. Bob's been pondering that the whole service, and he has my answer. Yeah, yours is bluer. Good, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Who else has a blue shirt, Bob? No. <laughs> what was I talking about, Gene? Blue shirts. You know, and you realize that your pastor also has ADD, you know, squirrel. 
and now, now I'm all just blue shirts. How do we connect with one another in prayer? And, 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 and so we have, we, we've done, there's several things we've done. Number one, we have streamlined the service. We, we, we've eliminated a lot of things that, you know, that we thought would take more time, and maybe we could get more information if we did announcements at the beginning of the service. Maybe if we took more time with offering, and, and I understand all those things, but we've intentionally did that to make sure that we have time not only for worship and, and word, but that we have time for prayer, yes. that we take time for prayer. You know, the, the worst thing that can happen, and, and see, I'm getting long-winded today, but I, but I think it's important you understand this. The worst thing is for me to come to 8.35 or 9.35 and be coming to the close of my sermon and realize that God is calling or speaking to people, and we've got to get people out because at 9.45, so we've streamlined service in the hope and, and here's my promise to you. And this, 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 if this doesn't get you shouting and running the aisles, I don't know what will. I'm going to shorten my sermons. <laughs> I am. I promise. Next one. <laughs> Seriously, I, I want us to have time for prayer. And so I, I'm, I'm going to shorten sermons. Um, we want to have time to pray in here because this is a significant time. Small groups. And Sunday schools, but, but the problem with Sunday schools, here, here is the problem if you want to have Sunday school being your primary time. Number one, your time is concise. You have one hour. You have from 8 or 9.45 to about 10.45 at the most, 10.40. And by the time you, you have your, your announcements, by the time you do your greeting, by the time you do your lesson, there's very little time left for, for concerted prayer with one another. And besides that, folks, Sunday school is an open environment, which means that anybody, any stranger, any new person, and we want it to be this way, can walk into a Sunday school class, and it's very difficult to be vulnerable with one another unless you have deep connections, deep personal connections. Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I tracking? I mean, even if you feel real comfortable with everyone else in your class, if you've got one visitor in your class, you're not going to share the same way, right? So we've made this concerted effort with small groups, and many of you are a part. And one of the things that we do in our small groups, and I'm in Tammy's and Rick's small group, one of the things we do is we share and we pray, and we're vulnerable with each other. It's important. It matters, and we have done that purposefully. Small groups is not just a strategy for discipleship, but it's a, it's a, it's a strategy for praying with one another. Now, finally, today I'm introducing one other thing. In, in the back of the sanctuary, I want everybody to stand and turn and look all at once. Go ahead. You can stand and turn and look. There used to be a bunch of chairs back there, right? Do you remember that? Isn't that beautiful? Um, in the back of the sanctuary, you can turn and look back at me, unless you just want to keep looking that way, gazing. Nancy and Sue, Nancy and Sue, can you stand, if you will? I've asked, Sue is, is in really the, the prayer responsibility. She, she is responsible for our prayer as a congregation, and Nancy's been partnered with her in some of that and, and, the, and the design of this room. You ladies can be seated. Give them a hand. Don't you appreciate what they did? 
in the back of the room, you, you, we, have, we have made that, which was once a closet, a closet for our chairs. And, and I understand that means the chairs had to go somewhere else, and they're in the gym now that, until we can find a better place for them. Maybe that's not ideal. But, but I can tell you, I'd rather have a room designated to prayer in my sanctuary than chairs stacked falling out of a room. Um, uh, that's just my personal feeling. I, I, I think that is a much better look for our sanctuary than chairs stacked to over, over, over falling. And so in the back of this room, and there is a prayer altar. We have two spaces that have been designated spaces for prayer. And the basement, it's a great resource. I believe, Tammy, this was from your mother, in honor of your mother. There is a prayer room that, that can be used, and you could probably get two or three people in there comfortably, maybe four. So it's not a, for a large gathering. It's a great place for private prayer. Who's used that prayer room in the past? I, I use that room. It is a great place to go and read Scripture and pray. If you want information on that, if you, it, I'll, I'll give you, and we can, you can get in there. When staff's here, if somebody's here, we'll let you in. You can go and pray in that room. It's a great place. This is a place in the back of the room that is connected with our worship and our gathering times, our biggest, most significant times when people are here. It reminds us, number one, as you leave this place, I hope it will remind you of the importance of prayer. I hope it's used during services. I, my, my hope is that there will come times when, when maybe during a service, when, when someone feels the need to pray with somebody or feels the need to, to have someone pray with them, that, that they, you don't always feel natural and good to come up in the middle of a service and pray at an altar. If you do, that's great. But if you don't, you can go right back there and have somebody sit down with you and pray, even in the midst of the service. You don't have to wait until we say prayer time. There's resources where you can put your prayer requests, where you can put your praises, and you can share them with the congregation as a whole. And in the future, I believe that we will have some prayer meetings that are focused in that space. In the middle, under the, the cross, is the, um, is the altar from the original church on 6th and Maple. 6th and Maple, am I right? Somebody say yes or no, okay? That was a question. Is it Sixth and Maple? Is that right, Harold? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I made Harold talk in church. Uh, <laughs> there's a big greenhouse, and this church began in a house. It began in a house. You realize that? That, that if, if those few that gathered in that Sunday school class in that house could see us now. They would be jumping to their feet, running in circles, giving God praise for what he's done, right? And that is a reminder that we didn't begin here, but we find ourselves here through the power and power of God and prayers of others. And I hope that it reminds us that we believe God is still sending us. And at some point, there'll be some expression of church other than this Nazarene church in Union County. And it reminds us that it doesn't have to be in a sanctuary this size to have an eternal impact, but it can be in a living room in a house. Amen. Say, Pastor, why, why, why all of a sudden are you focused on this? I, I am convinced that we will go no further but through prayer. 
Oh, i sorry, I got so long. Let me ask you one more question. What only God possibilities in your life and in your church will you find through prayer? All heads bowed, all eyes closed. You know, we talked about all those personal things, sins forgiven, addictions overcome, bodies healed, finances healed, uh, relationships reconciled. What, what are the impossibilities in your life that the Spirit is speaking to your spirit, saying nothing will be impossible with God? What are the impossibilities for our church? Oh, pastor, we can't make a difference. We can't do this. We can't reach these people. Oh, those people are unreachable. What unreachable people are reachable to us through prayer? We're going to take, it's 938. We're going to take two minutes. I want you to talk to God. Maybe there's somebody sitting next to you you want to pray with them. But then I'm going to lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for who you are. You are holy. You are good. You are loving. You are righteous. You are just. And Lord, you have a will for our personal lives and you have a will for our church. Lord, Lord help us to, to understand and believe the deep connection we have with each other. This isn't a social club we belong to. This isn't um, just something we choose to do, even though we have a will. But Lord, we have chosen to become part of a body, the church. Jesus talks about the church, and, and Jesus says even the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And so, Lord, we belong to something that's significant and meaningful and valuable and precious in your sight. You love us, and you love this church. And you invite us to pray. Lord, help us to have a fresh hunger for prayer. Prayer with each other and prayer alone. Help us, Lord, to seize those opportunities and value those opportunities, Lord, where we can pray with people who love us and know us. I pray, Lord, that our Sunday school classes will be known for prayer. That, that besides the, the teaching opportunities, they, they will be known as places where real prayer is spoken. It's authentic and real and you answer prayer. I pray for our small groups, Lord, that in the same way you will empower them to, to be places where people can be vulnerable. They, they can be open with each other. They can be broken and humble. Tears can be shed without the fear of what others would say. I pray for our worship services, that as we gather in this place, people can have an authenticity that allows them to call out to God right where they are. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall, they shall have the kingdom of heaven.
Lord, help us to have a humility and an openness to you and to each other that allows you to move fresh and new in our church and in our lives. Be with our homes, Lord. May they be people, places of prayer. And, and Lord, may you be lifted up. And Lord, as we go from this place, as we go from this place, Lord, may we realize that church isn't ending, but we are the church. And Lord, we pray that your kingdom will come, that your will will be done as we give you free reign and are obedient to you in the way we live our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless, folks. There wasn't a Sunday school class in here. I could have went until 10. We need to get you breakfast then. <laughs>